Green Scene on the Pat Kenny Show with AIB, working alongside Irish communities towards a low-carbon future. We pledge to do more. Now, in the green scene today, uh, plasticosis, a disease in seabirds caused by ingesting plastics. But first, with spring here, we'll soon be hearing and may already have heard the familiar buzz of honeybees as they return. But have you ever wondered, how actually do they make honey? Why is it so sticky? And how do they learn the honey-finding dance? We're joined by Dr Ruth Freeman, Director of Science for Society at Science Foundation Ireland. Good morning, Ruth. Good morning, Pat. So how do they make honey? Well, I have to say, this was inspired by a question from my son, who asked me, not very politely, is honey bees vomit? And I felt (laughs) I actually wasn't 100% sure how it was made, so I had to go and do my research. And we're very lucky. We we have a honey bees here in Ireland, one species of the North dark bee and most of them are kept by beekeepers so most of our honey comes from hives that people are actually keeping although we, we do have some wild bees out there and they'll be making honey too. So, so honey begins as probably most people know a sugary liquid inside flowers nectar and and that's there to attract the bees to come and pollinate the flowers and what bees do is they suck up the nectar in a special straw-like tongue but they don't eat it they put it into a separate uh, sort of separate stomach it's sometimes called their honey stomach or Okay their so crop. like a rucksack for honey for, kind of like for, a for the bag nectar for yeah. honey yeah so they put it into their bag and they they go about their business collecting as much nectar as they can then they head back to the hive and they bring the the honey up into their mouth and they start to chew it so it's almost like bee chewing gum. So they chew and chew and chew and then when they're tired of chewing they pass it so to... So this th- nectar, why are they chewing it? So they're chewing it to get rid of the water. Exactly okay. the way chewing gum dries out in your mouth when you chew it. They're doing the same thing. So they pass it from mouth to mouth, from bee to bee to dry it out as much as they can. It's obviously mixing with some enzymes in their mouth. When they get the water levels down to about 15 or 18 percent the last bee then pops it into a pre-made little cell of honeycomb that they've made and then they fan it with their wings to dry it out even more and when it's dry enough so that it won't uh, it doesn't have enough water in it to have any mould or any bacteria in it they use more beeswax which they secrete from their tummies uh, and they put a little cover over it and it's safely sealed away yes it's an incredible operation and that explains why honey keeps forever Exactly, there's no water in it for, for anything to live in it and that's why it's sterile, essentially. Um, why is honey sticky? Yeah, well, it's sticky. It's incredibly sticky. It's because of these things we call hydrogen bonds and they link between the sugar molecules and the water. And bees need to be careful because they, you know, they're furry. They can get stuck in the honey themselves. So they're incredibly meticulous with how they handle honey. And in fact, it, it's really important if you're an amateur beekeeper or thinking of, of keeping bees, if you damage the honeycomb, you'll often get the bees covered in honey in your own hive and they will try and clean each other off but it's it's difficult for them to do. Alright, now the waggle dance uh, which it seems is, is a set of instructions. It is and bees have amazing communication but what we've seen now is they're actually learning the waggle dance by touch so when they're very young they're using their antenna to feel an older bee doing the dance and if they don't have this physical contact early on they won't learn the dance properly and in fact they can be they don't understand the messages that are coming back to them about where the best sources of nectar are and they they can go off on a wild goose chase in completely the wrong direction. So they get if they haven't been properly tutored in this uh, dance language exactly they're heading for the Sandra Domain but end up instead in Kulak. Exactly so it's uh, important lessons it's like preschool for preschool for bees. 
My goodness, the more we learn about bees, the more extraordinary they are. Now, uh, plasticosis, explain. So plasticosis is a new disease that's been characterised by scientists. They've they've, uh, published it this week. It's scientists, including people from the the Natural History Museum in London. And what they've discovered is a particular type of scarring on the digestive tracts of seabirds. And and it's caused solely by plastics. They're able to link the amount of plastic an individual bird has ingested with the amount of scarring that they have inside their digestive tract. of course, this scarring, it's, you know, sort of, it means that the digestive tract is not functioning properly. Some of the glandular structures that help the birds to absorb nutrients from their food are being damaged. And this leaves the birds obviously more vulnerable to infection, more vulnerable to mal- malnutrition. Uh, you know, they can't absorb vitamins. And the scientists have called this disease plasticosis just to make it you know, quite clear, quite it's, clear. Caused by plastics. it's caused by plastic. Now, yeah. Is it from the fish then that they eat, the seabirds eating fish as part of their food, who, which in turn have already ingested plastic? It, it may well be, but, but what we're seeing is these ocean birds, that, that the plastic, when it's floating on the water, small bits of plastic, it actually gets algae around it. You know how anything left in the sea kind of gets a scum around it, a green scum. And birds see that and think it's plant material or food material and they will just swoop down and eat plastic directly directly out of the ocean but they're probably also ingesting it through through fish as well uh, and of course they're also being tangled up in plastic so while plasticosis is new we've known that plastic is an issue and just to put it in context I mean we've produced about 9 billion tonnes of plastic we call it 9 gigatons I mean all animal life on earth weighs less than 3 gigatons so that's the scale of the problem that we're dealing with it's enormous. And even if we never produce any more, you know, we've incinerated a small amount of what we've produced, but most of it we've just... But nine gigatons, three times the weight of all living animal life, including ourselves, on Earth. More plastic than us and all the animal kingdom as well. Um, Is there anything that can be done? Well, we have to stop putting plastic in landfill. We have to start thinking about circular economy when it comes to plastic. At the moment, it's a handy, cheap byproduct from fossil fuel, which we have to wean ourselves off. We need to look at the technologies that enable us to recycle plastic back to essentially virgin material that we can then use for anything again. And I think that's where we need to put the push on for plastics. It has to be reused. We, we can't just put them in landfill and hope for the best because what's happening is they are leaching into the water. There's They're plastic leaching everywhere. There's plastic and look, we're an island nation. We are custodians to incredible seabird populations. We have our puffins on the salties. We have Arctic tern in Dorky Island. You know, we have all these amazing bird mm. populations. So I think as an island nation, this is something we should we should be taking mm. very seriously. We led on the plastic bags. Perhaps we can lead on other plastic initiatives. You can give one example of a particular bird species, the northern fulmar. I mean, This is an incredible bird which survives in the Arctic, you know, the harshest conditions. It's one of the only birds that can live there all year round. But it is a bird that plucks its prey from the ocean surface. So it is ingesting plastics. Scientists now have never seen a group of fulmars without plastic in them. And in fact, what they're finding is they're becoming vectors for pollution. So these birds are eating so much plastic that as they fly then to their chicks and their breeding grounds in the Arctic, of course, they're depositing their their droppings. And there's essentially a halo of plastic uh, in the Arctic around where these birds breed. So the science is really very clear here and and hopefully people can be galvanised to take action. Dr Ruth Freeman, Director of Science for Society at Science Foundation Ireland. Ruth, thank you very much for joining us.